Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special championship edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me tonight is uh, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? I'm excited, Joe. This feels uh, this feels kind of cool. Like we're we're doing <laughs> something a little different here this time, you know? Yeah, we're uh, we're we're uh, I don't I don't know what the right for doubling up, I guess, uh, on on podcast this week, which. Um, yeah, it's it's well, you know, we got a we got a special weekend coming up, um, so why not have a, a special podcasting event here? Um, you know, we're we're coming up on the Division One and Division Two championship games, so we figured why not take a little extra time and uh, and and discuss those games uh, with you? And um, so yeah, that's what we're gonna do for I don't know however long it takes us. Um, you know. Th- you can, of course, um, you know, let us know what you think uh, by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, and, of course, our, our next show will be uh, recapping uh, those championship games. Uh, and that will be coming to you, um, I, I'm going to assume, next Tuesday morning. We, we're going to figure that out because of uh, the holidays uh, with Thanksgiving coming up and all that. But um, I, think we've, I think we figured Tuesday morning was going to be uh, when we'd have that one ready to go, uh, of course, at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, before we get to that, um, we are going to talk championship games. We've got two big games coming up on Saturday, uh, both at 1 o'clock, uh, kicking off at 1 o'clock in Division One, You've got Londonderry taking on Winnicunit. Uh, that'll be at Billball Stadium at Exeter High School. And then also 1 o'clock Division Two game uh, between Milford and Timberlane. Uh, and that one will be played at uh, at Pinkerton uh, over in Derry, which um, I was a little surprised by that to see that, uh, just because there's not a lot of not a lot of um, I don't know championship games or, or even semifinal games held at Pinkerton outside of um, you know stuff that that goes on in in the in the gym over there. So to, to right. see them playing that game on the field is uh, is it on that field is kind of interesting to me. But um, per, great place to see a game, I think. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I think I said the other night, um, you know, I absolutely love that field. That, that new turf field is fantastic. It's, um, it's definitely, it's a football first kind of field. Uh, so it's got like the, the, you know, the bright red end zones, um, the every five yards, I think they they kind of alternate, uh, shades of green. So you can kind of, you know, if you're just looking at it real quick, guys running down the field, you can kind of tell like how far they're going i i mean it sounds kind of silly but i mean it's it's kind of it's cool things to see because you don't really see no, a ton it's of a that. good look yeah it's, it's right. a, a great field uh but yeah let's yeah i think it's a I, I think it's a great place to watch a football game we talked about that uh in, in the podcast earlier this week when we were we were anticipating the the uh these games a little bit and uh I haven't been over there for a long time and uh, I used to love going over there whether it was to scout when I was coaching in Division one or whether it sometimes I just go over there to see like a Mac Platt game or something just because it was a, it was gonna be a great game and um, it, it really has that it's like a great stadium yeah you know it's not like kind of a like a you know like a, a third tier little stadium but so it has that big feel to it but at the same time it's got sort of that like rural, New Hampshire, you know, it's kind of back in the woods sort right, of feel. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's it's just got a real good atmosphere to it. Yeah, you're removed from a lot of like the campus and and dairy, and like you're back in the woods almost. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a top notch field. Have you? I, I mean, this may may be a silly question. Have you been over there since they put the lights in? 
Uh, I, I only, when I was three hours late for that, that <laughs> it, I think it was Sauhegan Pelham or somebody right, was they, playing they there. there. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we still make fun of that to this day that I showed up like three hours <laughs> early for the game or something and completely right. missed it. But right. yeah, that I, I have not seen a game there and certainly not under the lights. Yeah, of course, I don't. I can't imagine they would need them on, on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be a, a you know dark and stormy kind of day. Uh, certainly hope no. not. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, going over there on Friday nights now is, um, it's a lot of fun. And, and you mentioned the MacPlat game. So yeah, those have, those have been a couple of those, uh, over there on a Friday night. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Um, and, and like we said, great place to see a game. And I think it's going to be, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear like what, what the crowd is going to look like in terms of just filling in that stadium. I mean, they do have. Um, definitely a good sized, uh, bleachers on the, on the home side and, um, their stadium too, that has visiting stands as well. So, um, you know, I'm Milford being the, uh, lower seat uh, is going to be the, the visiting team, I would assume. Um, so they'll be over on that side. Um, you know, but then usually what happens is people line kind of the end zones on either side of the field too. Um, you know, so that'll be. I wonder how many, you know, how many deep that's going to be over there. Hopefully, it's quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what this crowd looks like uh, for the for the D two game. Um, usually, that's a that's a pretty decent crowd when it's at, when it's been at UNH. Um, you know, obviously the D one crowd usually gets the biggest game. Usually gets the biggest crowd, but a lot of people start to come in for that game even during the D two game. So it should be a should be an interesting scene there. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good crowd. I mean, I know that in the uh, in the season finale uh, over in Plastow, it was a it was a really well attended game. Um, right. Yeah. And you know, I think because it's a serviceable location for both schools, right? I mean, it's it's pretty close to to Timberland. I'm not sure how close is pretty close, but you know, for Milford, it's what maybe a 25 30 minute ride. Yeah, yeah, I guess depending sat on a Saturday afternoon, yeah, it shouldn't be too long. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, Milford was pretty pretty well represented when I was up in Lebanon last weekend. It was uh, it was rocking. We just happened to be sitting in the Milford section. I always kind of take the corner of the bleachers if I get there really early because you know you, you you can be up high and you don't have to worry about too many people being around you. <laughs> you get that top <laughs> corner and. Uh, the the Milford crowd was it was big like they were well represented and it was students and parents right a lot of times only families seem to make the uh, that away trip but there were definitely uh, there were definitely high school kids up in the stands there That's at Lab so I'm guessing it's going to be a pretty great atmosphere uh, just I just pulled up on uh, on Google Maps here it's uh, it's a 36 minute ride from from Milford to Pinkerton uh, going one 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 hundred one to uh, to ninety to two ninety three to ninety three. Just in case anybody's, you know, trying to, and uh, a twenty-three minute ride from uh, from Timberlane, so kind of yeah. uh, close, uh, similar similar drives for both schools. Um, you know, and, and I think what's going to be interesting, an interesting factor too, is, and I, I we touched on this, I think, a little bit the other day, um, talking about D three and D four too, is that you know for you know you've got one championship game in D one where both schools have not only been to the finals, but won a, a championship in the last couple of years. Uh, but in this game, you got a program in Milford that, that hasn't been to the final since, what, 2004? Um, and then a program in Timberlane that hasn't been there since 2001. And, right. I mean, we're, I mean, 
that's I it, I don't know. To me, you know, that doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it really was. Um, you, you know, that's that's been quite a while. So we're we're talking about two programs with with not much big uh, championship game experience. Um, what does that? I mean, what do you think that does going into it? I mean, you think you're we're going to have like a you know, a few moments for both teams uh, where there's, you know, quite a bit of nerves uh, that, that show themselves uh, early in these games? Oh, I think so, you know, I, it, and I mean, there's always going to be, there's always that going into a championship game, whether you've been there before or, or not. You know, I mean, I think it's, the, the moment is not lost on everybody that this, especially the seniors, right, that this really is the last game. You know, you go into other playoff games and they're big games, but you don't know going in whether it's your last game. Well, well, one thing's for sure, you know that it's your last game. And it's for all the marbles, right? So there's definitely going to be some nerves. And, and honestly, you know, there's, these are two veteran coaches. You know darn well the coaching staffs are going to be nervous too, right? Any, any, anybody that tells oh, yeah. you anything different is probably, <laughs> is, is probably feeding you a line, right? So I think there will be, but I think, you know, I, I, I think, though, that the advantage, well, one of the advantages is obviously which team can kind of use those uh, those nerves to their advantage, right? You can take that nervous energy and turn it into something really positive, um, and that comes down to your your coaches and your senior leadership, right? Are they able to kind of get everybody focused? Um, you know, there's that fine line balance between you got to treat it like it's just a game because it's still just 12 minute quarters. Right. The rules are still exactly the same. You know, the, it's not like the field suddenly got bigger or something. Right. It's it's a football game. But at the same time, it's, it's obviously not just another game. Right. So it's that fine line between those two things. I think that if you can walk that psychologically and emotionally, you, you've you've got a good chance to kind of bury that a little bit. You know, it, um, another thing that I think is is kind of interesting about playing at, at Pinkerton, too. I mean, I know sometimes in these situations we talk about you know, field conditions and, and how does that favor one team or the other, you know, um, how many times have we gotten there and you, you've got a team that, um, you know, is more of a, a, a faster offense or faster team, you know, does playing on turf benefit them? I don't know. I don't know if there's a, an advantage for either team being on, on turf as opposed to being on, on grass. Obviously they both play on grass fields, but they're, they're both more kind of, um, you know, uh, if, I mean, just looking at that first quarter they played during the regular season, I think it was, what, two possessions each? You know, they each got a possession, I should say. Um, you know, so they both had long, like, three or four yard are here and there kind of drives. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see if either, if, if the the game changes for either side because the surface is going to be pretty clean for, uh, you know, the third week in November. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good point, too, because you know the field at Lebanon, for example, for Milford last week was was not in great shape. I mean, it's in pretty good shape for a grass field up in northern New Hampshire, but um, but you know it was a little, it was a little rough, and I, I didn't I obviously didn't get to see the Timberlane Milford game live, for example. Um, but looking at it on film, it, you know it looked like that field had taken a, its share of of beating. But you know, I think to the point you made, right? The, I think the style that both of these teams have fallen into this season um you know they they both kind of make their living between the tackles on offense um not to say they can't get outside because they certainly can but i think 
really where both teams are going to try to win the game is with their offensive lines and kind of dictating things between the tackles. Both both teams' profiles are very similar, right? They're both built around uh, good, strong defense, offensive line, and two very solid running backs on each team. And a quarterback that's that's good enough to distribute the ball, fake the ball, make things happen themselves, right? So I think because they're tailored that way, I, I'm not so sure that the the surface will play that much into it unless somebody's going to kind of roll out something that we haven't quite seen yet. But I don't think that's in the makeup of either of these two teams. Yeah, it's it's um, I mean, they, they definitely have guys on both sides, I think, that that have, you know, the ability to, to break off a, a big play. But it certainly isn't the norm, I don't, I don't think, for either one. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned that regular season game and, and really, you know, the thing that that they got me, you know, going back and watching um, the video of that from uh, the the guys at uh, Friday Night Lights, um, you know, were there and, and got video from that game. And, you know, it was it was nice to be able to go back and watch, um, be able to watch that and get all the detail, um, you know, from their broadcast. Um, you know, but but just what got me was was how evenly matched it felt like these two teams were. You know, I, I, I think, um, you know, going into that game, you, you weren't too sure just because of, you know, their their resumes. Timberlane was was um, really kind of beaten up on everybody, you know, in the, in the Eastern Conference there. Um, and this was their one crossover game. Um, and then Milford, of course, had had some big wins, but then they'd also had a couple close ones, you know, and then they had that loss to Lebanon. Um, you know, so that was, I was, I was kind of, um, surprised to see just just their how similar I guess both teams are in the sense of just the style of play and what they like to do, um, and I, I'm I, that's going to be a, a fun chess match I think to um, on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think so too. They they both go about their business a little differently, but philosophically they're kind of the same. It's like I just said, right? Both teams have uh, a, a very good. Uh, quarterback, you know, not one of not one of these sort of spread offense type guys who's going to gun the ball all over the place and and you know carry the ball fifteen or twenty times. Um, but they're good quarterbacks; they handle the ball well. And they both have those two very effective running backs. I think Milford's backs are a little bit more pounders, right? With uh, right. Barnhill yeah. and Zelensky, and then the uh, the P brothers, right? Dominic um, Polaria and Dan Post are probably a little bit more traditional New Hampshire running backs, right? They're a little bit more uh, the kind of that, that taller, leaner build it looks, right, with, with uh, that, that stride break, breakaway speed type look. But same idea, right? You can't hone in on one running back. You can't hone in on, oh, we've got to get to the quarterback this week. They, they're, they're, and again, both of the teams, I thought, played really good defense, especially here in the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, Milford's defense has been outstanding in the playoffs. Um, I know they gave up some points to Plymouth, but, you know, uh, a lot of that was just Plymouth found one thing that worked really well, for example, and just got after it, right, until Milford made some adjustments. And Timberland's defense has been lights out, too. Uh, you know, the the one that you mentioned um, amongst the similarities, the quarterbacks making plays, uh, but the big the, the big difference there for, for Timberlane is that um, – you know, it's been their backup uh, making those plays, uh, leading the way the last right. couple of weeks. It's um, um, Dom Capetta out for the year. Uh, Garrett Shivels had to step up, 
and uh, and, and carry the load there at quarterback. Uh, he's a, a sophomore, um, and you want you know you wonder you know oh, how is he going to react to being in a in a big game I, as with all of them. But I would almost think that he's probably going to be one of the few guys that that is actually you know pretty even keel. Of course, him and and his older brother Joe um, both were. Um, key to Timberland, the, the boys lacrosse team's run to the championship game back in the spring. So they both got a taste of uh, of, of the big stage and what, what it's like to play in front of a, a championship-sized crowd. Um, so, I mean, though, um, that's a guy I probably would think, um, you know, has a pretty good feel for what it's going to be like out there. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think obviously losing Capetta took away a little bit of a dimension for them that I saw earlier in the season, you know, because I, I think... Uh, you know, obviously he was just a, he was just a more experienced player, but they've definitely been able to, um, you know, to keep things going. Um, with what, I'm sorry, what's the young man's name? Who's the backup? Uh, Garrett Cheville. Looking, Cheville. Yeah. Thank you. I was looking for it on my notes. I couldn't find it quick enough, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, and, and I think the rest of the team has kind of responded to him really well, right? They, they sort of rallied and, and picked up and they've, they've, compensated for the things that he does well but maybe didn't do as well as Capetta might have done in some dimensions right so that's what good teams do they sort of they sort of pick up and pick you up you know when they have to and I, they've definitely done that um yeah it's um I don't know if 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 there was one thing that maybe was going to um I don't know can you think of anything that, that any surprises that might be in store like I know, you know, I've seen Milford at times kind of dial up some some crazy pass plays when they've been kind of in need of uh, need of a big play over the years. Um, you know, Timberlane, I'm I'm not quite as um, you know historically familiar with. Uh, of course, I, I spent how many years working at the the, the Milford cabinet, so um, kind of uh, had to be a little bit more familiar with with Milford. Um, but just what do you what do you think? Is there anything that that might surprise us uh, coming out of this game? Well, I think I, I think it'll be a very similar type of game uh, as as their regular season matchup was in, in Week Nine. Um, quite honestly, right? I, I think you know. I, I guess I'll start by saying I think Milford sometimes has this uh, this reputation that they just sort of line up and 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 just you know try to caveman you to death and pound the ball forward and it's not really the case, right? Like I know they run the ball a lot, but if you look at what they do offensively, um, it's very similar to what I tried to do offensively when, when I was either at Hollis or Sauhegan, right? It's like, yeah, we might run the ball a lot, but we do a lot of different things formationally. Yeah. And, um, you know, ways to out leverage teams and things like that. You know, Milford will be in the shotgun. They might have three backs in the backfield. They might have one back in the backfield under center, unbalanced motion they do a ton of different things and they and to your point they are not afraid to dial up gadget plays yeah uh, which again I, I think they have this this unearned reputation of being like overly conservative they're really not <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they are at all i think that yeah. they take big risks at times um and so the question will be is you know do they have something like that in their pocket and you know are they they called you know, I wouldn't call it a trick play, but they called a little gadget play to open the game against um, against Plymouth and scored a 51-yard touchdown on it. Yeah, you know, a little little fake reverse almost, right? They they ran a sweep and faked a reverse, and everybody bid on the fake, and away he went, right? And 
they did something, you know, they had a couple of little tricky things like that that they ran against um, Lebanon. Again, nothing crazy, right? Triple handoff, reverse throwback screen or some bizarre <laughs> thing like that. But just, yeah. just like so these just little things. Though, yeah. Well, they did. Yeah, yeah. You know? they, they they opened the game against Timberlane with an onside kick um, in the regular yeah. season. So I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's um, hardly conservative. Um, yeah, so they do little things. Uh, so I think in Milford's side, right? I think they do little things like that to try to keep you off balance. Um, and they tend to do that a little bit more, I think, when they think they're the underdogs. And I know from a record and and standing standpoint, going into this game, a lot of people are saying Milford are the underdogs. I don't know how you could say that given what Milford's done in the playoffs so far. Yeah, kind of a, a pick em uh, This game, is definitely not a David and Goliath story. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're playing that up in the locker room, but um, oh, of course. So, okay. to, yeah. But it so so on the Milford side, I would say that would be the big thing. On the Timberlane side, I think it's a matter of how well does Coach Fitzgerald use what I think is absolutely. Uh, his strength, which is superior depth. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think there's a ton of kids on Milford that goes both way, right? Like Chuck Erda plays all three phases of the game. Uh, Zelensky plays uh, it's certainly on offense and defense. I can't remember if he goes all, all three ways. Uh, uh, Kilgore plays both ways. Right? Like, I mean, they've got a ton of two-way guys. Right. And I, I think in the first matchup in week nine, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say it was 100% just depth, but Timberlane did come back and score two unanswered touchdowns to win the game in the in the fourth quarter, if maybe, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, maybe wore him down a little bit. Yeah, right. So yeah. I, I think that's got to be a key for Timberlane is, you know, are they are they really smart about how they're using that depth as a weapon, right? I mean, they don't even play post and Polaria on defense, I don't think, whereas for example, Milford's two backs go both ways. Right. Um, so I think that I think that's the item. I don't think Timberlane is going to do anything but what Timberlane does, right? I mean, I don't see them dialing up anything anything weird or or tricky, but I see them being very purposeful about how they manage their depth and trying to wear Milford out. You know, the um, you you mentioned. Um you know, some of the different uh, ways that Milford are lined up. But I, I noticed the same thing, too, about Timberlane. Um, and, and what really stood out to me was on that opening drive of the regular season game where they went, you know, with a spread formation um, down the field until they got inside the 10. And then once they got inside yeah. the 10, the quarterback was under center, which... Yeah, how power many, eye, yeah, and we're going to bang it. How many times have you seen that with with a lot of spread teams where, you know, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, where it's like, you know, it's it's whatever in goal from the one, and they're, they're still, and in, still the, in the gun. Yeah, yeah. And you can't, cause, <laughs> right, without, well, we a, never, without yeah. a fullback or whatever, right? right? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, to see that was, um, I, I don't know, a little refreshing maybe, um, to see yeah. that, yeah, that they can be, you know, can still line up and, and just run it right at you. Um, yeah. You're, that, that no, you're absolutely to, right. Yeah. They're, they're not quite as multiple, I think, as Milford, but they do. They'll they'll get under center even between the thirties. They'll get under center at yeah. times, depending on what they're trying to do, and they'll they'll run with um, two backs in the backfield, and you know, run a lot of like um, wing T type stuff, like what you see from Pinkerton and and um, and Salem, um, right. or some I stuff, you know. So, yeah, they'll mix it up too. Um, I, I think I think the difference is t- 
Timberlane's Timberlane does a lot of kind of pulling linemen and you know what they call gap blocking, where um, Milford you get a lot more ball faking with like their their drive series play, where they fake the fullback up inside and then give it to the tailback, kind of going in the same direction off tackle, and that's more straight ahead type blocking. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think both teams are multiple in their looks. So we go from uh, from one game where the two teams, uh, you know, haven't been in this spot in a long time, uh, but they also played each other a couple weeks ago, to the Division One game where you've got uh, two teams that recently won championships, of course, uh, Winnicott uh, capping an undefeated season in 2017, Londonderry uh, doing the same thing in 2019, um, but they haven't played each other, uh, and and thanks to last year's you know COVID uh, season, um, they they it's been so long since they've played each other that the kids on the you know the seniors haven't played each other um, at all. You have to go all the way back to 2018 for the last time that Londonderry and and Winnicott played each other, and why I think that you know that game was was fairly significant uh, because at the time. Uh, Winnicott had was coming off their championship. They'd started that year. I want to say like five and zero, four and zero, six and zero, something like that. Um, and Londonderry goes in and beats them so to snap their win streak. Uh, and it was kind of the game that um, you know, if you really look at it, kind of put Londonderry um, on the map to a certain degree. Um, you know, they had had successful seasons. I think they were a playoff team the year before. Uh, but this was kind of their first, I guess you'd say, signature win uh, with with uh, with Jimmy Lozon coming in as uh, you know since he had been the head coach, um, you know, and they ended up you know winning their conference that year. They lost to Pinkerton in the opening round, but then came back um, the next year and and beat Pinkerton twice and went on to win win that championship game. So, kind of a, a little bit of history, even though it's been you know a couple of years since they they've played one another. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic where the the two teams have not met and haven't met for some time, as you said. But there is a history there. But you know, of course, these are these are two different squads and and different makeups. And uh, you know, I, I guess I guess not entirely dissimilar in terms of where they sit uh, at at this point of the season. But um, but yeah, I, I I think this is another one of those games where. Um, it's it's not a David and Goliath matchup for sure, right? No, this is a very difficult not. one to say. Hey, who's got the edge? Right. Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a I have a a high school friend um, who lives in Londonderry, and um, you know, since they've they've legalized uh, sports betting in the state, you know, we'll we'll often discuss um, you know any any things that we're looking at sometimes there, and uh, before big Londonderry games, he likes to text me and be like, okay, what's the spread? For the for this game, and I I got a text from him on on Sunday, and he said, "So what's what would you think?" I'm like, I honestly, I I really don't know. Like I I couldn't tell you. I mean, you know, neutral field, um, two teams that haven't played each other that don't have a you know a, a recent really history, um, no no games that you can compare. Of course, um, I really I don't know who you would you would put as a favorite in this game. I guess I guess Winnicott just because of the the you know their technically the whole, the higher seed or the the home team um but i don't even know if that really what that really does um you know in a game like this 
Um, and you know what's what's interesting is is you know at first glance you probably look at these teams and say, well, there's really not you know just in with with the offenses that they run, um, you know they're not really similar, but they kind of they kind of in a way are just from the fact that there are so many guys on each side that can can hurt you. You know you've got uh, five or six uh, running backs for Winnicott that. You know, any one of them is capable of, of breaking a big run and, and, and scoring or, or, you know, flipping the field. And then you kind of have the same thing with Londonderry. I mean, I, I you know, they when I've seen them at times, it almost feels like they have a rotation where it's like, OK, this guy gets this drive and we're going to come out again. OK, now this guy gets this drive. It's just it's, yes, it's kind of it's remarkable how both teams. It's never one guy. Um, well, I shouldn't say that it's a lot of guys that contribute, but then there's one workhorse that, that they seem to be falling back on, on each side. And I think for Winnicott, that's Tucker McCann. And right now for Londonderry, that's Drew Heenan. Yes. I would have said exactly the same, right? I mean, it's interesting. It's probably what you described is, is probably means it's, it's, um, it's no accident. That's how both teams got here. Right. But we were joking about that after we got off the podcast on Monday night, which was, talking about Londonderry's offense, right? And like, it, it's hard to tell who's going to be that guy for any given game or that guy even for any given drive. Right. You know, it's like you said, it's like all of a sudden they just decide, hey, we haven't done much with this guy lately. Let's just, <laughs> let's just, let's, let's just put him know, in there. Let's just bang him for a few plays here. And, you know, all of a sudden he's got 60 yards on one drive and you're like, oh my God, where did that kid come from today? <laughs> um, but, you know, having that kind of depth to spread things around, Certainly the case. And those are the two players I would have picked out. I would have said, especially based on how he played last week. I mean, he exploded for almost 200 yards on the ground with, was, was Heenan, um, who, who, by the way, again, as you and I have emphasized, right, it, it wasn't even the original starter for London because right, yeah. Washington's down. And then, you know, we've talked a little bit about McCann uh, for Londonderry. You know, he, he's typically been the yardage leader, and, and I think clearly he's – He's the guy, um, even though they've got, you know, they've got Tilly, they've got Brown, they've got a number of other backs that they kind of, you know, pepper in there and, and contribute in big ways. But, um, but yeah, that would have been my, that would have been my two as well. Yeah. And it's, um, the, the other thing I look at that's kind of interesting with this is, you know, when it kind of, we, we talked a lot about them last year. Um, you know, of course they were a semifinal team a year ago and returned a lot of guys. So they, I mean, they were a team that I think we kind of, I don't know if we, um, you know, going into the year, I don't know if we would have picked them to be at this point, but they were certainly in the conversation. Um, a lot of seniors. But then you look at Londonderry and, and I, I'm, I mean, going in this there, they don't have, um, their numbers are, are more in their junior and sophomore classes. They do have a, a good number of seniors that, that contribute, but these are all guys that have been playing behind um, some really good classes coming up. I mean, you know, you look at you look at they were in a championship game when these seniors were sophomores, and realistically, right. I don't think any of them really contributed. You know, it, it, maybe one or two of them um, might have contributed in that game, but but not really because there was just so many guys in front of them. Um, so I mean, that's kind of an interesting aspect to it too. Is that that you've got a Londonderry team that's here that, you know. I don't. I don't know if many people outside of, um, you know, outside of the locker room would have would have expected them to be here. No, I mean it was a it was it was definitely 
a wide open field in Division One at, at the start of the year this year, and I wouldn't have put Londonderry as a top pick, right? There was a lot of buzz around Salem, a lot of buzz around um, South, which obviously didn't materialize for whatever reasons this year. That there were, a, you know, uh, Goffstown right. could North repeat, you know, and, and Londonderry was sort of in that upper tier. You know, you're never going to count out. Um, that team, not well, they have the numbers they have, not well, not well, Coach Lozen's the head coach there, right? He does such a good job, but I, I don't think anybody had them finishing, right? Well, and, and the same could almost be said of Winnicott. I mean, I think Winnicott was on a lot of radars because everybody knew they had a lot of right. senior talent coming back, but, you know, it, it, I, I certainly wouldn't have picked them to go undefeated. Right, right. Not That's, with the schedule yeah, they play, yeah. right? Not with... Yeah, with Exeter um, and Goffstown and Bedford. And, right. Yeah. Um, what do you think is? Um, I mean, we talked about how you know some of the similarities with these guys, but how you know when you when you match. I mean, we we talked um, at times about Winnicott's defense and just how stout they've been, you know, all year. Um, really, haven't given up many points. Um, you know, they go against a, a Londonderry offense that's a you know definitely a, a more of a spread team, but. You know, it's not a spread where you're, you know, having the quarterback. I mean, you look at their the game against Salem. They threw the ball, you know, nine times. They had eight eight passing yards. So I mean, it's it's a spread right. offense, but it's not a not like a, you know, get out there and and chuck the ball forty times kind of spread. No, it's it's definitely more designed to to open things up in the run game. You know, with with, um, you know, jet sweeps or or a QB you know, read and pull type plays and things like that. I think it's kind of like what we were saying about um, about the Division Two matchup is that they, they kind of go about their business in the same way. The teams have the similar makeup, right? We were talking about two good backs for each team in Division Two, and here we just got done talking about the similarities between Winnicott and Londonderry and that they, they have a whole bunch of guys that can get it done. Um, so I, I think it's almost the same story. It's like they go about their – like philosophically, they're they're very similar. It looks different, you know. The playbook looks different, but what they're really trying to do is not too dissimilar, right? It, right. It's it's about controlling the ball, running the ball with multiple guys, you know, not being able to key in on one person. I think the big difference is that um, Winnicott doesn't do as much in the run game with um, with the quarterback as Londonderry will. Yeah, right. Right, so where Londonderry might have, um, you know, Heenan as a, as a key runner, um, the um, the Warriors will go more with, you know, him as a passing threat, right? And, he, and he's got some good weapons to go to. Um, so I think that's kind of the key difference between them. Um, but I think otherwise they, they kind of go and get their – I think they get their business done very similarly. Yeah. You know, when um h- how tough is it to prepare for the kind of offense you think that that, that Winnicott it runs? I mean, I know I think they've they've I, at least when I've seen them this year, they haven't done as much of that the option um you know game that they that they typically have had um right. in recent history, but they're still running, you know, it, it's it's quick handoffs. It's um, you know, the the just the thing that always gets me too is is the way they they kind of get set you know before the plane it's a quick snap and it's you know quick handoff right. and and you, you really got to be ready for it but just if you haven't seen that in a while like how tough is that to prepare for 
I'm, I'm actually glad you asked me that question because I, I had made a note here to talk a little <laughs> bit about this, and uh, I was going to bring it up whether you asked me or not. <laughs> See, I, I was <laughs> but, just re- you, you know, it's that connection. When connection there. <laughs> No, it's an excellent question. I, I think it's very difficult, and here's why. And, and I think it may be especially difficult for Londonderry, and here's why. Because the last two opponents Londonderry has seen have both been very similar style, right? Pinkerton and Salem, although they may mix and match a couple things here and there that are different, a different play here, a different series there. They both run pretty much the same offense. They're both wing T teams. Right, so that's predicated on a lot of guard action. Right, you pull your guards, you kick guys out, you lead around the edge, and uh, you know a lot of kind of motion type stuff that you can either key on or be deceived by, depending on you know what the goal of the offensive play is. And, and when you line up defensively against Salem or Pinkerton, you can you can key certain things with your defensive line and your linebackers, like that guard action or like certain block certain types of blocks that those offenses use, right? They tend to block down a lot and try to get a kick out somewhere else. Winnicott, because of the way they run their offense, those offensive linemen come off the ball like sprinters. They're just coming straight ahead at you. To And, and that's why those quick dive handoffs, you know, guard to guard are so effective. And that can be very difficult to defend because if you're used to having your linebackers and your defensive linemen, you know, squeeze down blocks or, you know, read if the guard is pulling and take a certain run fit to, to you know, kind of defeat the blocking scheme essentially is how you, how you train kids to play defense against that stuff. You don't have any of that against what Winnicott does. Mm-hmm. They come right at you, right, you know, straight at your face. <laughs> right there's no there's no goofing around there's no yeah, angles yeah. there's no nothing and the back is on you just as the lineman is getting into you and so all they need is a little crease at three or four yards and away they go right and then and then as you said they may not have really been majoring uh, or even minoring in the option stuff this year but they've run it a couple times yeah and so you still have to prep for it you still have to figure uh, Tilly might pull it and pitch it, right? And, and so you got to put time in on that, and it takes time away from focusing on other things that they might do well. I, I still think it may look somewhat vanilla, but I think it's a very, very difficult scheme to defend, especially if you're not used to seeing it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if yeah, I mean, there's no one on the the other side, or really, I, I guess you'd say in the in the division um, that runs anything kind of similar, right? Um, no. Yeah. So, and, and it, like we said, they haven't played since 2018. So, you're, yeah, you're watching a lot of kids are probably watching a lot of film on that this week. Um, yeah. And the, well, and, and and also to be fair, right? Like Tilly can throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got a couple good. He's got a couple good receivers. You know, Gould had a had a big game a couple weeks ago. I think if I'm if I'm thinking of the right guy. He um, had a. Our, they can make you pay yeah. in the air too, as Londonderry can. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Lond- I mean. Londonderry has, I mean, like I said, they didn't need it last week, but they definitely ha- are able to um, to move the ball around through the air. You know, I, I'll be interested yeah. to see, and this, I mean, this may sound kind of silly, um, <laughs> just with the coin toss, what what does whoever wins it decide to do? You know, does, right. um, I mean, last week you had, um, you know, Salem um, won the coin toss and, and, and decided to receive, and... Um, you know they were they moved right down the field um, on that opening drive against Londonderry's defense, 
and then lost the fumble inside, I want to say inside like Londonderry's 30. And that just, that momentum swing just really seemed to fire Londonderry up. And then they they picked up a, uh, a fourth down on a fake punt, uh, Londonderry did, which really it just amped them up a little bit more. And, and it, they just built off of those key plays there um, to, to build up that momentum, you know, to, to take an early lead. So, like, does... If if Londonderry wins the coin toss, are they? I mean, I I can't think that they're going to want to defer. I mean, you if you give you know given the ball to Winnicott, if they're able to come out and put together a successful opening drive, I mean, you know the way they they run their offense, you may not see the ball until there's like two minutes left in the quarter. Right, and that's not really the way I would think you'd want to start a championship game. No, I, although interestingly. Both teams have shown that that big drive ability, right? right was it right. Yeah. Londonderry was it Londonderry that ate up like nine nine minutes? They had a drive to open the third quarter against Salem that was over nine minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, which which again is kind of like it's almost like what I was saying about Milford has this reputation for certain things, right? Londonderry has that big play reputation, but they can drive the ball too. So I, I don't think they do that as often, right? I, I do think that they're a little bit more predicated on the explosives, certainly than Winnicunnet, right? And again, it's not to say Winnicunnet can't be explosive either, but that's not what they build around, right? They build around those long, uh, draining drives, right? And and But Londonderry can do it. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I think if that's your roundabout way of saying, hey, what would you do? Uh <laughs> I think I'd take the ball. <laughs> I don't think I'd be messing around with, hey, you know, let's let's get a possession to start the second half. I mean, that works a lot, but I think when you're that closely matched and, you know, it's one thing if you think your defense is superior. I don't know. Winnicott's defense is really good, don't get me wrong, but I, the things that I've seen from Londonderry's defense in the few times that I've seen them, they're pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, I know they gave up some points to – Salem at the end of the game last week, um, but for the most part, they contained that Salem running attack that a lot of other teams have not been able to contain. Well, yeah, it was it was kind of like they're in a almost prevent defense kind of there, and Salem comes out and you know all of a sudden is the the greatest show on turf. Like it just was all right, over the place. right, yeah, yeah, and some of that might have been psychological too. You know, I mean the the London Derry may have taken their foot off the gas a little bit again not consciously but a little subconsciously right, right? like you right. get comfortable the the pressure of of you know are we going to be in a tight game with these guys you know the air kind of goes out of the balloon a little bit midway through the fourth there like ah you know it's all but over it's hard to guard against that when you're 17 years old <laughs> 16 years old right and all of a sudden you know salem wasn't going to give up but i think i think both teams have really good defenses i i, I think i think you take the ball but I'm uh, I'm not coaching in the Division One championship game, so we'll have to see what they do. <laughs> that all all important uh, all important coin toss to start the game. That's that's what I'm keying in on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any um, any final thoughts on on either game? Um, you know, as we get ready for for Saturday. You know, I know it's easy to say this because it's in the here and now. Um, I don't I don't remember in the in the last few years being this excited about the matchups. Yeah. You know, I, I think these are really good matchups and I think they're, I think they're teams that um, in, in, in all four cases, I think they're teams that belong there. 
and I think they're teams that have like they the they really complement each other in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, right? It's like we we were just saying that both of the Division One teams have very good defenses, have varied offenses that you know any any one of those guys can beat you. Um, and if you take away one, they can sure as heck go to another person that's going to be really effective. And, and it's kind of the same thing with the Division Two matchup, right? They both have really good defenses. It, you know, Milford's defense in particular, I've been extraordinarily impressed with how they've actually improved through the course of the season. They seem to be peaking at just the right time. And they both kind of have that two-headed monster in the backfield, really well-coached, good offensive lines. I, I think that's really why I'm excited. It's like, these matchups are really, really interesting, and they're razor close in terms of, um, you know, who you'd give any sort of nod to in terms of the uh, the advantage. And and I and like I genuinely mean that. That's not just being diplomatic for <laughs> for the podcast, so people don't get irritated with us and say, "Oh, he likes Winna Cunnett better than he likes so and so." Right? Like I really feel that way, and I think that's really exciting. You know, and it looks too. Um, you know, looking at the forecast. Um it looks like it's going to be a great day too, you know, mid forties, sunny, um, you know, if just, just that's the, I mean, you couldn't ask for better weather in November, I think in New Hampshire for, for a football game. Um, yeah. you know, so that, that'll, uh, that'll be nice. Uh, you know, and I will, um, you know, before we wrap up, definitely want to say this too, cause it's, it's frustrating. Um, definitely would love this. You know, you said we're, we're excited for both these games, and you know, I really would like to be able to have seen uh, both of these games, um, you know, playing them at the same time in two different locations is, um, you know, I, I know this is what it used to be uh, back before the games were at UNH, but um, I really hope this isn't going to be the norm. It's um, it's it's frustrating and it's really disappointing, you know, not being able to. I know I, I know I'm one of the few people in this situation, obviously. You know, as a, as a, a media member, you know I'm I'm not the norm uh, for wanting to be able to see both games. But I think there's enough football fans around the state, you know, that that make the trek out to UNH to see multiple games, whether it's you know just one and two or all three or maybe three and two. Um, you know, I I think this is not the way that things should be going. Um, you know, we in every other sport uh, or most other sports, that's not the case. You know, you've got, um, you know, just look at a couple weeks ago. You had all three field hockey finals that were initially scheduled to be uh, on the same day in one school. You know, they break up boys and girls soccer, one, two, three, four. Um, volleyball was at all, all three was at Pinkerton um, a couple weeks ago. They, you know, it's it's just I don't. I don't understand what the thinking is on uh, on moving it this way, and I like I said, I really hope that this is just a temporary thing. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it either. I mean, it seems sort of arbitrarily stubborn, yeah. for lack of a better way of putting <laughs> it, right? Like, I mean, even staggering the times at different locations. I can remember it, it was a while ago. It was it was uh, when Bedford played Winnicott. Yeah. Yeah, they won the games, finals, yeah. right? But I remember being over at Exeter for like an earlier start game, and I don't even remember who Exeter was playing. I think it was Pinkerton. But uh, Exeter that, was yeah. playing. I think it was Exeter Pinkerton. Somebody. Exeter Pinkerton in the D one game, and um, Bedford Winnicott in the D two game. Yeah, yeah, and I, and like it, the Exeter game was kind of like a blowout. 
or whatever. It wasn't interesting at some point, right? And like <laughs> me and the coach that I was with, like we, we ran up the road and we actually got to see like a good chunk of the Bedford Winnicunnet game. Yeah. Because they staggered the start times and the, you know, the venues were cool. And like, that was just really cool. And that, that's such a rare thing, you know, that you could, that you could do nowadays unless they, you know, unless it was the, the championship day that they had it at UNH. Um, but obviously they're not, they're not doing it anymore, or at least not this year, but yeah, it's a bummer. Like I, like I said, even if, even if they, for some reason were dead set on, you, you know, you have to do different neutral sites or whatever, even if you staggered the start times, you know, an afternoon game and a night game or whatever, just to give people the chance to run between them if you wanted to. Yeah, um, yeah. You're frustrated as a, as a, you know, a member of the, the yeah. media, right? You'd love to be able to do that. I'm frustrated as a fan. I mean, I'm bummed that I, I I'm bummed that I can't see both these games. I, I mean, genuinely bummed. I, I would love to be able to watch both of these games. I think they're going to be awesome. Yeah, I yeah. And, from from my position, you know, it's it's as a it's my business. I'm, I'm my business right. is to bring you the the sport. You know, cover these sports. And um, you know, this year's been tough in terms of of finding people to help. Um, in terms of you know, and um, getting writers to, who who can cover stuff. Um, and uh, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I think I got somebody to go on Saturday to uh, to the Division Two game. Um, but it's it's how yeah, it's almost like like you're saying oh, we don't we really don't care if you're there or not. Like just yeah, whatever. We're gonna yeah. play these games like this. Well, I'd write for you, Joe, but I can barely put a coherent thought together verbally, as uh, the listeners know. So, <laughs> so you probably don't want anything that I would write to appear on your website. Draw, because... draw some, draw some pictures for me, and, and take, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I could, I could draw some stick figures, and <laughs> yeah, and then eight... use some crayons. And if if you wanted to scan that and and, and upload it, that might be okay. Excellent. But... Right. Well, I mean, hey, who knows? There could be there could be people that want that. There could be. There may be a market for that. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go too far off the rails here, uh, <laughs> um, any final thoughts on on the championship weekend before we uh, before we wrap up? I don't think so. I All think right. we I think we covered it as as best we know how. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we did. Hopefully, we got everybody ready for for Saturday's games. Um, yeah, as you, if you couldn't tell, we're both pretty excited. I hope you guys are too. I hope you're able to get out to um, to one of the games or, or maybe. You know, a little bit of each one if you're if you're getting on the road. Um, but yeah, and, and of course, um, good luck to to all four teams, and and hopefully we see some pretty good games here, and and everybody gets out healthy and and has a. I hope I hope both teams have fun, like my my new work yeah. shirt says. <laughs> <laughs> I need that T-shirt, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Well, he is uh, Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. I am Joe Marcellina. We will talk to you again uh, next week about these championship games.